The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text this morning is the first reading from 1 Kings chapter 10. It is God's word. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, out of the 16th century came one of the most mysterious and captivating paintings which people the world over have wondered at ever since. It's a painting with an imaginary background of icy mountains, winding paths, and a lone bridge. But the painting's true focus is the woman seated on an armchair in the front of the picture. She is dressed in a simple, dark green dress with long, light-colored sleeves, with hair that goes down past her shoulders. And on her face is the most curious expression. The corners of her mouth raised ever so slightly. This painting is the famous Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci. Not much at all is known about this woman from the history books apart from what has been shown in this picture. And the question which the world has wondered ever since is what made her smile? Now, thousands of years before the Mona Lisa, nearly a thousand years before Christ, another mysterious woman came on the scene. She was dressed not in simple clothes, but in clothes of royalty. And accompanying her was an entourage of attendants, camels, and tens of thousands of pounds of gold, stones, spices stretched farther than the eye could see. Not much at all is known about her from the history books, apart from what we read in Scripture. And like the Mona Lisa, what we see of her is a very curious expression. When the Queen of Sheba saw all that she came to see, she was overwhelmed. And the question which so many legends have tried to answer ever since and which you might have an initial answer to, but which I'll suggest goes just a bit deeper, is this. What overwhelmed the queen? Well, they say a picture is worth a thousand words, and our text paints a very rich picture for us. So put yourself right in the middle of it. Picture yourself as a servant who's worked in Solomon's palace your whole life. You've seen the kingdom pass from Father David to the son who now rules. And you've seen the great things this son has brought about. A splendid new palace for him and all his servants to live and work in. Peace with the nations on all sides. And to top it off, a towering and beautiful temple where service is rendered every day to your God. But what sets this king apart from all others isn't what he has done. It's the gift God had given him, a wisdom 
greater than anyone else's would ever be. Would you have been surprised then when you saw her march into the city? Your master's fame had spread far and wide, of course, but you can tell by the endless parade of treasure she brings that this is no ordinary woman herself. She and Solomon sit in the palace and talk, and you wait on them. She's obviously brought a lot of questions with her, and the conversation is so long, she's evidently talking with him about everything that's on her mind. Finally, she sits back and looks around at it all, trying to take it all in, and you can hear the breath leave her lips in wonder. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon, and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord. She was overwhelmed. At what? The riches and wealth which she herself had, and which richer nations than Solomon's had much more of. No. Well, at the order and organization and loyalty which she saw, which would have been expected of any high-functioning kingdom, of which Israel was by no means the largest? No, it had to be something different. It had to be something which would bring her from across the desert to see, the same as what brought the wise men from the far east to see. A star pointing to the Lord. What overwhelmed the queen? It was Solomon. She says so herself. The report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I heard. Really? A mere man? That's what overwhelmed her? Why would she come all this way to see a man? Or why would the wise men have come all that way to see a baby? Because through that man and through that baby, the glory and grace of God were on full display. Through this man, she saw God. It's like Solomon's this stained glass window, and God's the sun. You can't look at the sun directly, but when it's shining through a window, you can. Then you can see it in all its dazzling beauty. That window is Solomon, and that window is you. Or at least it should be. But really, me? I know myself, and you know yourself. When you live in a way that does not reflect the light of what you believe, you lead others away from God rather than to Him. And when you do things in secret 
and think that no one else sees, you black out whatever light was meant to shine through you to others, lost in their own darkness. When you go out of your way to avoid that person at your work or at school or on the street, because, well, what could I possibly have to say to them when maybe just a smile would be a good starting point? Or when you go out of your way to avoid that difficult conversation with a family member or a brother or sister who are spiritually hurting themselves because, well, the world tells me to live and let live. Brothers and sisters, when we do these things, we are far from the light and life-giving stars God intends us to be. No, when we do these things, we are darkness. The Bible says, no less, you were once darkness. But now, you are light in the Lord. In a season of increasing cold and darkness, what we need more than anything is light. Light gives warmth. Light gives hope. Light gives life. And that's what Christmas is all about. God's gift of Jesus, the light that shines in the darkness. And if Christmas is all about the gift, Epiphany is all about the gift tag. Christmas tells us what this gift is. And Epiphany tells us who it's for. And it reads, For all people, including you, including me. Really? Me. Yes, I know myself, and yes, you know yourself. But don't think for a moment that that disqualifies you from receiving this gift. That's the beautiful thing about a gift. It's not dependent on you. Don't think of yourself as anything less or not up to the task of being a star like Solomon, as though Solomon himself weren't a wretch of a man at times, too. It's not about him. It's not about you. It's about your relationship with the Lord. That's what counts. And even when you don't feel like a light, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. You cannot be hidden. That means a lot, coming from the light of the world himself. And when God says it's so, that makes it so. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Yes, as you love and forgive, as you maintain justice and truth, others will see and will be drawn to you as well. Others will hear and see that this gift is not just for you, but for them too. It's for everyone at your work, everyone at school, everyone on your street, for young and old, for rich and poor, for all people all over the world. 
just as it was for Solomon, and just as it was for the queen. Yes, it wasn't the outward splendor of Solomon's kingdom that overwhelmed her. No, what overwhelmed the queen? The Bible makes no mystery as to that. It wasn't even Solomon himself for his own sake. It was the glory and grace of God shining through Solomon, which made her confess too, Praise be to the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Your God, she says. Did she know he was her God, too? That the gift tag doesn't just say, to Solomon or to Solomon's people, but that in Jesus, God reveals himself as a light to all the nations. That heaven is made up of people from every language, tribe, nation, and tongue, and that that makes him the Lord, her God, too? I think she understood and believed exactly that. I think she went home and told others, led them to believe exactly that, too. Why do I think that? Because 1,000 years later, the New Testament book of Acts tells us an Ethiopian man from around this same area where the queen likely would have ruled came from there up to Jerusalem to hear more about this true God he had learned about. And on the way back is even baptized by the evangelist Philip. Because there's been a Bible-believing community in that part of the world from before the days of Christ. And because there's been a strong Christian presence in that area since the earliest days after Christ. And since 2,000 years after that, Many of those churches have even become part of our fellowship today. It's because Jesus himself says that this queen would be a witness against those who deny him, since she came from the ends of the earth to learn of him through Solomon's light. And because we have the queen's own words, I did not believe until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. And that's one more point that's worth dwelling on. The queen brought immense riches with her. We are even told, never again were so many spices brought in as those the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. And yet... When King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba all she desired and asked for, he gave her more than she had brought to him. When the Queen of Sheba came bearing these immense and impressive gifts of gold, spices, and stones, still she left with more than she had given. When the Magi came bearing their finest royal gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh, still they went away with more than they had brought with them. When you come to this house with your offering of money or service or just a broken and contrite heart, even now 
you walk away with more than you could possibly bring. And when others come to you, you can send them with more than they could ever possibly bring. An overwhelming amount. What they receive, what you receive, what the Magi received, and what the Queen of Sheba received is nothing other than eternal riches, which are worth far more than any of the light and momentary things of this world. Yes, these are true riches. This is the faith to receive the full and free salvation of God, His eternal love, which is enough to last through this life and the next. That's what overwhelms even those who have it all in the world's eyes. It's what queens and wise men, the richest of the rich, still need. It's what lowly shepherds, the poorest of the poor, need most of all. It's what you and I need, and Epiphany says, it's what God has freely given to each and every one of us. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come, peasant and king, to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Yeah, the world may never know the reason for the Mona Lisa's mysterious smile. But we don't have to wonder at what overwhelmed the queen. It's the same gift that still overwhelms us today. A gift that is undeservedly, yet unmistakably, for you. So invite everyone you know to come and see. Truly, this is something you have to experience and believe for yourself. Nothing else will do. Let it overwhelm you too. Let it forever change you as it changed her. Let it leave you like it left the queen, overwhelmed and overjoyed. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>